Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we are going to talk about M documents. As promised in a previous episode, I'm going to start going through these M documents and giving you guys what I think are the highlights. So I'm going to go in numerical order, and as the title indicates, today we are going to cover M documents 1 through 150. A lot of these I don't necessarily consider relevant, or I just don't think they come up very often, or whatever, so I'm doing a little editing here, and I'm just talking about the ones that I find interesting. Maybe you'll find them interesting as well. I guess uh, we'll have to listen and find out. So, with oh, before we get started, a couple of caveats here. First, I'm not reading the entire text of the M document. I'm reading just the relevant section, or at least what I believe to be the relevant section. In many cases, there's background, there's the arbitrator saying, like, I have carefully reviewed this case, a bunch of stuff like that. And another issue is these first M documents date back, like, to the 1970s, 1980s, and it is entirely possible that stuff has changed since then, and these M documents are no longer valid. So I tried to look up a few of them to see if it's changed, if it's been superseded, and I couldn't really find anything, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been superseded. So, as with everything I say, take it with a grain of salt, look the stuff up yourself, and uh, see what you can find. But I did specifically search a couple of these to see if it was still in effect, and as near as I can tell, it is. But again, don't take my word for it. And and please, if you know of a change to one of these or a new policy, by all means, uh, drop me a line and let me know. Okay, so with that stated, we are going to skip to M document number three, 00003. And that lets us know that there is no street standard for walking. I mentioned this one briefly in my first episode about M documents, but here I want to get more in depth. So, quoting from the settlement itself, or the memorandum, or whatever you want to call it, quote, the agreement was observed by management moving at a slow pace while delivering his route and made inquiry as to why he was moving so slow. <clears throat> the answer given by the grievant by the grievant was that his feet hurt and he wanted to save himself. It is acknowledged that there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and that there is no street standard for walking. Let me read that to you again because it is very important. It is acknowledged that there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and that there is no street standard for walking. Has that sunk in? I hope it has. I know that there's a lot of management out there for whom that has not sunk in. All right, getting back to the quote. However, when an employee, through observation, appears to be moving abnormally slow, management has the right to make an inquiry of an employee as to the reason for his slowness. End quote. So, this sets it in stone. There is no speed at which you have to walk. Every carrier is different. Every day is different, and every situation is different. It is reasonable for you to have to move more slowly because your feet hurt, like the case in this grievance, or because you're sick, or because you're tired, or because whatever the reason is. Every day is different. So, whatever your reasons are for having to be slower today... Put those reasons in the 3996, and then it's up to management what they want to do about it. So, to reiterate, they can ask you, hey, what's the reason you're going slow today? And you can tell them, but the, the fact is we're human beings, and some days we're just going to be slow. And 
management has to learn to accept that. You know, as long as you're putting in that fair day's work for a fair day's pay, this M document, number three, says there's really not a lot they can do about it. They can't tell you to just walk faster. All right. And they certainly can't tell you that you're not meeting the standard because there is no standard. Next, M00031, number 31. The time that you put in box K of your 3996 is an estimate. That's why it says right on there, estimated work. So let's read from the M document. Quote, the local policy does not hold carriers liable for the exact amount of overtime or auxiliary assistance requested, but rather an estimate within a close approximation. End quote. So you don't have to know the exact time that you're going to be back on your 3996. It is an estimate. And again, it says right in there, estimated work. Look at box K. That's what it says. Estimated work. Don't let management bully you into this commitment time. This is your commitment for when you're going to be back. No, it's not. It's my estimate of when I'm going to get back. And the, and the 3996 says so right on it. It also says so in M document 00031. It is your estimate. That's it. And so with any estimate, it could be a little over, it could be a little under. That's the nature of estimates. So if you happen to get disciplined for missing your estimate on your 3996, this M document should be part of an affirmative defense. If you said you were going to take an hour and a half and you wound up taking an hour 40, that's reasonable. That is within a close approximation as stated in M00031. All right, so that's that one. Next, M00041. You, if you are a CCA or a PTF, you are not on standby. Now, when this was written, uh, there were no such thing as CCAs, but it's the same general concept that you are not to be required to be on standby. You are a scheduled employee, and this is settled. So, Here's what it says in the M document, 00041. Quote, the question raised in these grievances involved whether local management violated the terms of the national agreement when they advised part-time flexible carriers that they would be contacted by telephone if needed on a non-scheduled day. Part-time carriers cannot be required to stand by or remain at home under the threat of discipline for a call-in on a non-scheduled day. Should a supervisor be unable to contact an employee whose services are needed, the employee merely remains non-scheduled for that day. End quote. So this absolutely happens to CCAs. And when it does, you need to bring it to the attention of your union. We have had, I've had CCAs tell me that management goes so far as to say that if you don't wait by your phone in the morning, they're just not going to work you at all. Well, that would be essentially the threat of discipline. And it is perfectly covered in this M document, number 41, that is not okay. And if I were a CCA, I would also point this out to management myself and say, hey, in this M document, it says that you can't just keep me on standby, that I'm scheduled. This is not something you have to do. I'm just saying you can point this stuff out because it actually makes the union position stronger when we go to file that grievance. Because if management knows that they're violating the contract and they do it anyway, then the union can charge them with a blatant disregard for the contract. They knew full well that what they were doing was wrong. They did it anyway. And that's what blatant disregard is. So that just, again, further strengthens the union case. You don't have to let management know it's their obligation to know these rules and not to violate them. And certainly your union 
should be bringing it to their attention. But those are the rules. All right, you're not on standby. Next, M document number 60, special route inspections. And uh, this is for if your route is overburdened. If it's too long, then this is how you get your route adjusted. Quote, pursuant to 271M39 handbook, the regular carrier may request a special mail count if, during any six consecutive weeks, the route shows over 30 minutes of overtime or auxiliary assistance on each of three days or more in each week during the period. The special mail count should be granted where the carrier's work performance is otherwise satisfactory. End quote. So just to translate that a little bit in case you didn't follow along, you've been working on this route for at least six weeks. And over this six-week period, you need overtime at least three days a week. So if you meet those criteria and management feels that your work performance is satisfactory, that's the part that's kind of subjective is um, do they think that you've just been slacking off? But honestly, if they think that, they have an obligation to prove it. And if they're not issuing discipline for you slacking off, then they're not really going to be able to make that case. So... If you've been needing overtime at least three days a week for at least six weeks, then you can request this special route inspection. It is uh, 271G is what it's normally referred to as because that's where it is in the M39. It's 271 part G. And here's my pro tips to you. If you're going to go this route, if your route is overburdened and you want to get it reduced, um, every day you got to carry the route as though you're being inspected. Do everything the right way. Don't cut corners. Don't take shortcuts. Do the job the way you would do it if the supervisor will follow it. We're following you. And this may mean that you're going to have fights every day with management. I know when I had a route like this, it was 45 minutes overburdened. I had this fight every day with management or very often. We had one particular supervisor who would always push back on it. And he'd say, but you're at your regular volume. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But this volume means I need overtime. So... Every day I did the route the same way. I knew exactly how long it took. And then when I met this criteria, I was able to ask for a special inspection. Uh, actually, my own personal story, I didn't bother because I didn't mind doing the overtime. I People kept telling me that I should ask for the inspection, but I'm like, dude, who cares? I, I'm uh, perfectly happy to work 45 minutes of overtime every day, and I don't care if I have to fight with management. But ultimately, an inspection was done, and my route was adjusted. You know, they came out and followed me and uh, wound up taking 45 minutes off of my route. So you carry the route the same way every day. You get this inspection, and then after the inspection, management should modify your route according to the results of that inspection. That's what the whole process is there for. Remember, when you take over a route, that route was not adjusted to you. That route was adjusted to the previous carrier. And it may be that that previous carrier delivered a lot faster than you. Every carrier is different. And there's no expectation that you're going to carry the mail the exact same way the person before you did it. Uh, You may be faster than the person before you. And in that case, management may decide to add to your route. Or you may be slower and they may need to take something away. You know, maybe you and the other carrier deliver at about the same speed, but you're a lot more thoughtful. You're a lot more careful. You're a lot better about doing your route maintenance, things like that. Whatever the reason is, each carrier is different, and there is no standard time for how long the route is supposed to take. The route is adjusted to the carrier. And this is the process by which that happens, the 271G. All right, next, M document 93, 
covers when you can take your lunch. There are always questions about this, like, hey, do I have to take my lunch by noon or by whatever time or by six hours? Well, here's the settlement, M00093, quote, except in emergency situations or where service conditions preclude compliance, no employee may be required to work more than six consecutive hours without a meal or rest period of at least half hour. Where service conditions permit, an employee may request to schedule their lunch period after completion of six hours work. The determination to grant such a request will be made on a case-by-case basis. So, in this M document, you are supposed to take your lunch by the time you hit six hours, but you can request to take your lunch later. And there should not be any kind of blanket policy against taking late lunches. It's supposed to be done case-by-case. So if you regularly take your lunch late, you know, if management's not giving you a hard time about it, then great, take your lunch whenever you want, and you can just consider that as being case by case. In my case, they're letting me take my lunch later, and you're not doing anything wrong by taking your lunch late. But likewise, if management gives you a hard time about when you're taking your lunch, they can't just have a blanket policy against late lunches. It has to be case by case. Um, so they can't just deny your request for a late lunch out of hand either and say like, oh, we don't do late lunches here. No, they have to justify their decision case by case. So that's the deal with late lunches. Now, in reading these, it starts to feel like all the rules benefit carriers, and that is definitely not the case. Uh, these rules were agreed to between management and the union, and A lot of these disputes in the M documents did not go our way. So here's an example of one that did not go the union's way. It is M document 00132. And it tells us that sick leave can actually be denied if you don't have proper documentation. Quote, under section 513.36 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual, employees are required to submit medical documentation or other acceptable evidence substantiating their absence when required to do so by a supervisor. Until such time as the documentation is submitted, approval of sick leave by the supervisor is not necessary. So, again, if they require you to submit documentation, they don't have to approve your sick leave. They can just say, no, you're not getting sick leave for this absence until you submit the actual documentation. And it cites Section 513.36 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual. So sometimes this reading like these M documents leads to additional learning. And part of that is looking at the citation. So let's do it. Let's look at Section 513.36 and see what it actually reads. I have it pulled up right here. 513.36 is sick leave documentation requirements. 513.361 is for absences of three days or less. For employee absences of three consecutive days or less, supervisors may accept the employee's statement explaining the absence. Medical documentation or other acceptable evidence of incapacity for work or need to care for a family member is required only when the employee is on restricted sick leave or when the supervisor deems documentation desirable for the protection of postal service interests. Substantiation of the family relationship must be provided if requested. All right, so that's three days or less, covered in 513.361. 
You can just say why you were sick, and generally that's good enough unless you're on restricted sick leave, or say why you were out. 513.362 for absences over three days. For employee absences that exceed three consecutive days, employees are required to submit medical documentation or other acceptable evidence of incapacity for work or need of care or incapacity for work or of need to care for a family member and if requested substantiation of the family relationship so there you go if you're going to be out for four five or more days you are required to submit medical documentation or other acceptable evidence so what constitutes other acceptable evidence well it's going to vary by case and vary by supervisor so for me for example my immediate supervisor knows that my wife has chronic illness and you know, if I let her know, hey, we had this bad stretch come up and I had to take care of her, that's probably going to be good enough. But maybe not. And if she decides that, well, I want to see medical documentation of what's going on, then I'll need to submit that. I'll need to get the written from a doctor or whatever is required acceptable. Again, this is what's in the ELM 513.362. All right, 513.363, extended periods. Employees who are on sick leave for extended periods are required to submit at appropriate intervals, but not more frequently than once every 30 days, satisfactory evidence of continued incapacity for work or need to care for a family member unless a supervisor responsible for the employees knows the employee's continuing situation. So this is a great stipulation in here that if the employee know if the supervisor rather knows what's going on knows your situation you don't have to continue to submit documentation so if i were filing a grievance over documentation i would cite this right even if it's not 30 days or more this still lays out that if you know the situation if the supervisor knows the situation they know the situation and how can they say like you know, you need to keep writing me the same note over and over again. If they know what's going on, then, dude, cut the cut the carrier some slack. All right, next, 513.364, medical documentation or other acceptable evidence. Employees required to submit medical documentation should obtain it from the employee's attending physician or other attending practitioner who is performing within the scope of his or her practice. The documentation must provide an explanation of the nature of the employee's illness or injury sufficient to indicate to management that the employee was or will be unable to perform his or her normal duties for the period of absence. Typically, medical statements such as under my care or receive treatment are not acceptable evidence of incapacitation to perform duties. Supervisors may may accept substantiation other than medical documentation if they believe it supports approval of the sick leave request. So, again, you may provide, like if you have COVID, uh, evidence of your positive COVID test. You know, bring in that little test strip and shake it in front of their face <laughs> or something like that as evidence for why you you were out. You know, there is a lot of supervisor leeway on this, um, but the uh, the provision is there that they can accept other than medical documentation if it supports your sick leave request. All right, and then here finally is where the... Um, where that M document hinges. It's on 513.365, failure to furnish required documentation. If acceptable substantiation of incapacitation is not furnished, the absence may be charged to annual leave, leave without pay, or absent without leave. So there you go. Now you know a little bit more about how 
the sick leave documentation system works and when it should be expected and when it should not. And so that helps to make you a little bit more discipline proof that if you call in for just one or two days or even three days, you shouldn't be required to provide a medical doctor's note unless you're already on restricted sick leave. And we learned somewhere else recently, I think it was in my general overview of the M documents, that if you're on restricted sick leave, management's supposed to let you know. So look at how all this stuff works together to help make you discipline-proof. Ah, good stuff. All right, next, M document 136. Express mail delivery is not exclusive to letter carriers. We are not the only ones who can transport and deliver express mail. So here is the quote from the M document. Quote, the issue in this grievance is whether the whether management violated the national agreement by assigning the transporting of express mail to letter carriers and other employees. The union contends that the handling of express mail is exclusively letter carrier craft work. It is the position of the Postal Service that neither the delivery nor the transportation of express mail is exclusively letter carrier craft work. Based upon the above considerations, this grievance is denied. End quote. So, they're siding with the Postal Service on this one. That anybody... Or it's not exclusive to letter carriers to transport and deliver express mail. So other crafts, maybe even supervisors, I don't know, can deliver express mail. Uh, this was uh, grieved in 1985. That's when this M document comes from. So if it's changed since then, let me know. Drop me a line at classesofmail at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, Alan Gigax, A-L-A-N-G-E-G-A-X. My Facebook is completely public, and I accept messages from anybody, including spammers. Uh, please don't spam me, <laughs> but I will waste your time if you do. So anyway, uh, but that's that's the ruling, that we don't have to deliver the express mail. Other people besides letter carriers can do that. All right, and then finally, the last really interesting one I found before I hit 150 is number 137. You have to tell management why you want a steward. And the quote from the M document is, quote, the supervisor is not restricted from asking the reason for the request, and the employee should state the general nature of the problem. The employee is not required to discuss the complaint in detail if he first desires to have rep representation, end quote. So you do have to give management a general idea of why you want a steward. Hey, I think my rights are being violated. Hey, I have an issue with overtime. Hey, I got to tell them about the thing you just said. You know, whatever the general reason is, you let them know, and then they should grant that steward time. There were previous M documents to this one that said that they should give you that time right away. If they have to delay it, they need to give you an actual reason why it's being delayed and tell you when you can expect to have that time. All of this stuff is covered in the M documents. And the more I read, the better informed I am. You know, the more I know my rights, the more empowered I am to stand up to management and to stand up when they try to issue discipline and say, no, I'm doing the right thing. Like, heaven forbid, they try to issue discipline for me walking too slow. And I can say, hey, that's covered right in M document number three that there is no set standard for walking pace. That's happened to me on a route inspection before. And they're like, hey, you should be taking 120 paces per minute and you're only taking 95 or whatever it is. Dude, where's that 120 or whatever stupid 
thing they said. You know, where does that come from? There is no set pace, but they sure try to act like there is. All right, so I'm going to continue this series. Uh, at some point in the future, I'll do, you know, 151 through 300 or whatever else I find interesting. Uh, so you can look forward to more of this in the future. And until then, uh, stay safe out there, and I will keep creating episodes that help make you discipline-proof. I'll catch you next time.